Hello and welcome back to the Truck and Driver podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin. And I'm Paul O'Callaghan. Paul, delighted to have you back on the podcast. It's been a few weeks. Um, you've been a busy guy, as usual. Kick us off with um, what you've been up to over the last few weeks. Um, you'd left us the last time where you'd put out a bit of an, of an appeal looking for Mercedes-Benz trucks to feature uh, in the magazine one way or the other. Um, so how did you get on with that? Well, I got one anyway. It actually um, turned out to be a very r- extremely rare truck, I counted as anyway. Uh, 2000 Reg Actros 1853 Megaspace 4x2 on full air. Bear in mind, this is 20 years ago, 21 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it has uh, an, air, an air front axle, 4x2, and it's a one-owner truck. It's the, and it's still in active active use. Pull, normally pulls a tipping trailer, uh, low loader, maybe drawn straw. So it's um, quite a rare truck. And uh, I went to photograph it and do an article on it. And I actually ended up that I'm now actually driving the truck uh, for, <laughs> uh, for the harvest. So, <laughs> yeah, so that was... That's kind of the first time that that's um, that, that that that's happened. Although I was actually photographing another truck as well recently. We'll talk about that later. And I ended up uh, doing a bit of work for that guy as well. I did a trip to the continent that was with livestock. But just going back to the Mercedes Benz, um, uh, when I went over to to photograph it, uh, I, I didn't know that it was on it was on full air. So it turns out that the um, the people who who own the truck are, are farmers, and um, it's it's used in their in their Arable business, and went over, drove the truck. Couldn't believe how smooth it was. Um, it was just such a smooth truck and uh, really quiet. Just the fact that you're so high up. And I was actually trying to recall if I'd ever driven an MP1 Megaspace before, and I think I'd driven one uh, back about 2003. So it's quite a, it's quite a unusual truck. But anyway. Uh, went back and uh, I've been I drove it for probably a week. We were doing winter barley, so I drove it um, drawn. It was only relatively short distance stuff, but uh, what a what a machine! Uh, EPS gearbox, of course, which will divide opinion. And even in the in the yards where the truck is based, uh, it was kind of seemed to be like a, maybe a marmite truck where the guys some some loved it and oh, yeah. some weren't so fond of it. But I just went in with an open mind. And I said, you know what? Let's let's be open-minded about the EPS. Be patient with it, and um, so, don't dog it. And I have to say, it was quite. It's quite a. It's 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 like it kind of reminds me of going back to, not that I was big into computer games, but going back to like you know Sega Mega Drives or whatever hey. older generation PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you were big in big into them. I was trying to make a come up with a sort of a something a similarity. But um, it's the the interesting thing about like going back then. They said actually just an interesting thing. They said when they when they spec the truck that there was also uh, coming around that time Mercedes had a because the EPS was around quite a while at that stage uh, in two thousand. But there was also I think there was probably like a, a more fully automated system as well that they didn't spec because they already they previously had a couple of EPS trucks and they got on fine with it and it's never given any any trouble um, both the transmission. And the engine of the truck, I think they had the, maybe the head off once and a mm-hmm. turbo, and that was it. Uh, it's been an ultra reliable truck. And if you, I only know in Ireland currently of about three or maybe four MP1, which is the, the, the first generation of the Actros, which are uh, still in, in work because most of them were exported 
So yeah. very, very extremely rare trucks, in fact. And um, I was just delighted to get to use it. It's, it's, it's a weird, a very weird driving experience, uh, of course. You have the EPS and also oh, the fact that you're sitting so high up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, describe to, describe to the listeners, because a lot of guys probably don't know what EPS is. Um, how does the gearbox system operate? What is it that you've got to do? Because it is... It's always been a unique system. Mercedes were the only ones who ever really did this. And it would probably confuse guys today just as much as a manual gearbox, a full manual would. So what have you got? Have you got three clutch have you got a clutch pedal in it? How do you Yeah. How do you drive the bloody thing? <laughs> yeah, good question. Well you've got three pedals, uh, so EPS, electronic power shift, and um it it has to be appreciated. That was this was in the early days of of automatic transmissions and and um, Mercedes have always been at the forefront of, of a lot of uh, innovative technology. But um, so you sit into the truck and you have to use the clutch pedal anyway. So it's it's kind of weird. Uh, it's kind of I describe it as being somewhere between a fully automatic and uh, and a manual truck. So what you do is you have that little stubby little kind of a lever on uh, which is part of the armrest, and basically you just uh, click it just click it forward. And it'll it'll select the gear. You can see that in the little LCD screen on the dash. And um, so once you clutch the pedal, uh, depress the clutch pedal, that engages it. And away you go. Then you click the click it forward again. Look down, and I'm not exactly sure how it it decides which. So you've you've got eight gears, and uh, and each of those has a, has a splitter on it. So and the splitter is is activated by um, just pushing the lever forward and back. So just say you, you're moving at this stage you want to change up a gear just click it forward uh you can click it one or two gears forward depress the clutch pedal and away you go again and um the same when you're coming back down the box you just uh pull it the opposite direction pull it uh, back towards you and it'll but i find you're spending like you're kind of looking down at the at the dash to see you know is it in is it in you know fifth sixth seventh Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to, you don't want to kind of change too many gears. Now, I, apparently, you know, when you're driving, it, it kind of there is a sort of a memory uh, thing in it. And then for um, for reverse, then there's a little button. Uh, I think it's on the left hand side of that little uh, of the little kind of a lever, and you just pull it back towards it. Now, occasionally, and anyone who's probably driven them will will be uh, will recognise this still. It might miss a gear, or it'll make this kind of a clicking noise. But I didn't. It didn't really do that for you. I mean, only once or twice. Um, for me and um it's interesting it's 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 quite a it makes for a for a quite relaxing drive uh once you go in with with the right mindset oh. that it's not a manual and it's not an auto and just respect it so that was how i got on with it oh, they are a really unique unique truck and you've got to remember at, at the time i mean the actros came out in 1996 and we do have one in the September issue coming up, Dominic Newby's ex McLaren one with all the um, aerodynamic oh, body kit on it nice. and everything, yeah. and the multicolour interior and yeah. yeah, you've got to think 1996. I mean, this thing was, you know, the one. Obviously, we had the Magnum, which had the flat floor before that, but the, the Actros kind of took it to another stage. This was space age, considering some of the other stuff that was on the market at the time in terms of just the sheer I, volume of space I in the agree. cab and the, the yeah. technology in it. Now, the the engine the fifty in 1853, so that'll be a 530 horsepower. That'll be the V8 that'll be in that. 
What's it? How does it? How does yeah. it pull? Does it? Do you get a, a decent? Do you get a decent bit? Yeah. But decent bit of noise out of it. Is it kind of like? How does it no. compare no, noise wise to say what would be? There would be a one, a one four four or a one six four would would have been out the same time as that. Is it? A, no. A lot it's, quieter. It's um. That's one thing I know. I notice about it. It's it, it's it's a really really smooth running V eight. I'm not sure if it's if it's the OM four four two if that's the designation or. I know that was the one in the in the previous model in the um in the 1853 in the SK and and they have a decidedly more not, uh, notable kind of a bark from them does they were really really nice but of course you know they were this is the time when they were going for um they were probably going for refine, refinement and a and a and a quieter engine and because you're so you're you're elevated so much you're away from the engine don't forget in a in a Scania in a in a four series you're, you have that engine tone right beside you and um so it was it, it's it's a lovely engine note but it's just a bit too quiet so for example when i was just in the early stages of, of driving the truck and i was going around roundabouts because we were we were quite heavy with a tipping trailer i actually couldn't hear what was going on with the with the engine note and plus not being that familiar with the with the eps i was kind of you know you were sort of concentrating just to hear and see where 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 the revs were so i i was i let the windows down and actually, after a while, it was uh, when I was on. I was on quite narrow country roads, fully loaded, and I had the I had the windows down, and there was a there was a nice note mm. off it. But I was just kind of wondering what it would would be like if if you got. I don't mean now a massive uh, obnoxious side pipe, but just something just to kind of give it a little bit more of a thump. And I think it would it would certainly be yeah. a, a lovely sounding engine. But um, it was uh, no, it's it's it just that has that Mercedes Benz V8 sound. It just like sounds like a sewing machine, and, and it's a quite a distinctive uh, note off of it as well. Huge cab inside, like you said, nineteen when they came out in nineteen ninety six. Um, well, that was the actor. I presume the I presume the Megaspace came out was at the same time as yeah. the uh, what the medium distance cab came out. And I always thought the Megaspace were 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 a fine looking truck, but that truck, I think back then as a long haul European truck would have just been. Um, very very appealing just the amount of space you had in the cab and the and the comfort in it as well it's it's a long way up like when i'm getting in and out out of it like it's it really is a long way up and uh just with the air suspension as well it's the reason it was specified with air suspension was it was going to be traveling across um fields over over stubble mm. just that you could raise it up oh, it's, it, it's interesting so, that you found it so notable because you're obviously very familiar with the scania S series cab, which has got the flat floor on it, and you're high off the ground in that. Is it about the same sort of height, or are you just finding it a bit different because it's an older truck? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, it's probably about the same height as the as the Scania. It's just that the driving position is is slightly different, and probably the fact that I was just on the roads I was on were just so small and narrow as well. So I was actually driving two trucks. Uh, throughout the day, the other one was uh, 2006 FH12 520 Globetrotter XL, which had um, obviously I well, there was still a fair few manuals been ordered back then, but this had the I shift, and you know it's funny when you go back to uh, to the I shift after the EPS, the I shift is just it's just effortless. Mm. It's um, <laughs> This is it's a really, really that, easy gearbox to work. That in itself, an FH12 520 Globetrotter XL, that's another really rare truck. There weren't too many 520 FH12s going about at the time. And with it being a 2006 as well, you, you're in the early stages of the I-shift as well. You, you're getting to drive some really 
um, unusual and rare uh, trucks, which are they're not. You can't really consider them classics yet, but they're becoming sort of historically notable. There. That it's um, interesting. That's a yeah. generation back, and like you say, with the eye shift, it is effortless. I had a, I had developed such a hatred for automatic gearboxes um, because I'd been subjected <laughs> to various early MANs and well, various early AS Tronics, and I just couldn't stand them. And I remember that. I remember it so clearly at Drummond Distribution where I finally got handed an FH12 and got sent away out in it. And I I just, two miles down the road, I was like, oh, right, I see. I was like, this is how a, a truck automatic gearbox is supposed to work. Because um, that, that, the difference between yeah. the I-Shift then and anything else was like night and day. So, but I mean, an old 520 FH12, how did, how did that um, perform? That must have been quite a quite a nice interesting thing to drive as well it was and i was regularly asked the question in the yard which which i preferred and i was thinking about it for a long time because i was basically what was happening was there was a the truck was parked in the field chaser bin um combine unloads into the chaser bin as he's still cutting chaser bin unloads into the truck and then um i'll go and drive one unload that come back the other one is full and so i was great i was getting to just jump from one to the other and it was kind of hard to pick pick a favourite between the two of them because I was kind of impressed with the Mercedes-Benz because it was just so rare and it was such a, it was such a novelty. Then, of course, when you get back into the Volvo, it's just, the Volvo was a, a kind of an easier truck to drive given the fact that it was it was full eye shift and the cab just felt a lot smaller and narrower as well. Um, a lot more kind of manoeuvrable in comparison to the uh, to the Mercedes-Benz. But the Volvo, interestingly, uh, it was an ex-UK truck and it comes from Stanion Transport, who yes, I'm um, fairly sure you're familiar with. Yeah, they've got a lot of um, very high Are they spec. Down around custom. Stoke? Yeah, I think so. They've got a lot of very high spec customized trucks, Stanny, and they've had some absolute crackers over mm. the years. Um, I'm trying to think what the, what the last one was that they did. They've been in, yeah. they've been in truck and driver in the past, not during my tenure. If, um, yeah, but they do they do like if to. I think they have they some. Like they're all kind of truck some, up, that's a for team sure. like is expendable. Yeah. Yeah, Manchester. Yeah, so this one, the, the only reason, so it was Manchester, yeah, because now they're, they seem to be more or less black. I'm not, you're probably looking them up there. But oh, this I'm one, looking at them on my phone right now. <laughs> it's like a, yeah, it's a navy. This this truck is a navy and blue, which is their old colours. And I can, I'm not sure if I found a picture of it, but the only reason I found out it was Extanian was um, it's written on the on the top of the wind kit. So on a Globetrotter, Globetrotter XL, the roof spoiler, you can't really see it at all. It's just a flat, just small little spoiler more or less um, horizontal and it was just I was actually standing on the roof of there or on the tra- <laughs> on top of the trailer of the other one winding back the tarp and I just thought oh there we are Stanion because it just has the Globetrotter XL in the in the headboard um, so it, 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 there's quite a few extras in the, on that truck for 2006 it's got a microwave inside um, it's got alloy wheels big diesel tanks and a set of Eminox stacks hey. depends what time of the day it was when I was full of caffeine and First thing in the morning, I'd have the just crack the sunroof or have it slightly open, and the the windows and the fairly very loud rasp out of the, out of the Eminox, and then uh, towards a bit later in the day when you're a little bit more tired, uh, I found I was just leaving the, in, the windows up because I didn't really want to be listening to it. But um, 
Yeah, Eminox. I was just kind of thinking, you know, that's. I think they're. I'm not sure if Eminox are even still well, the, the, you know, manufacturing it, stacks yeah, in the it, lately. Yeah, Eminox like, are still going. Um, the, the, I'm not sure. Are they okay? I'd, I'd probably need to go and do some um, some research on them and things. But I think the last one of the mm. last things I heard was that they were able to offer a conversion from Euro five to Euro six. Don't quote me on this, people, because I'm I'm maybe making this up, but I don't think I am. They could they could convert a Euro five to a Euro six, but it cost an awful lot of money. So it was kind of aimed at guys okay. that if you had like some sort of vacuum tanker thing that had to go into a low emission okay. zone where you couldn't easily change change the vehicle. Um, but I know that I'm going to put that in my list. As far list of what what yeah, is happening with ex- exhaust? <laughs> as far as exhaust stacks, there was a guy with a he was doing a one six four five eighty lately. And he was trying to get a new set of Eminox stacks, and he told me he couldn't get them or couldn't buy them. That's the only reason I thought they might be. Maybe they're still in business, but stacks, I'm not sure. But that was the that was the the FH twelve five twenty sub. I think back then, because when they came out in in zero two, it was it was the F, it was the four sixty, and then you had the turbo compound five hundred, which was a very very rare truck, and then it went the four sixty went to four eighty. The five hundred went to uh, went to five twenty, and I'm not sure. I don't think it possibly may not have been a turbo compound, but an early FH twelve five hundred turbo compound mm. is a very very yeah. rare truck. I remember a couple of those two thousand and three kind of era. There was just a handful of them in the country, but you could always you always knew just they had that even on takeover they had that turbo whistle. Mm. It was obviously something to do with the turbo comp- compounding on them. So there's a there's an interesting one if you see a very early. FH twelve five hundred. Aye, well, I, I do remember quite a lot. I remember getting. It shows you how much things have moved on in in the last decade. I remember being really quite excited because a couple of the places that I worked at there were one or two FH twelve four eighties, and that was if you got your hands on one of them, you were like yes, because like the four eighty was like a bit. <laughs> that, that that was that had a bit extra grunt about it. That that was something. Quite exciting, quite exciting. Whereas now yeah. you're like, oh, four eighty. Oh, who cares? But um, they they were. I've got yeah. I've got a soft spot, a real soft spot for those um, era of um, those era of FH. Um, even though like some of them I drove were actual absolute wrecks. Funnily enough, they were ex Stobart and ex Screwfix, and yeah. they weren't. Um, yeah, and don't forget then there was a. F- 420 and there was a 420 as well which that was a really common one we didn't eh? really get too many of big fleet spec okay, big fleet it, spec engine 440 at some stage yeah yeah the 440 i think right, it might have been okay. a euro four okay okay I remember driving all sorts yeah. of but it's interesting the, the the f the the version ones seem to be the one that generates the most interest and then something i often feel that the version two is a little bit neglected because at the time when when the version ones when the version two came in instead of the version ones they were like the interior they were a lot more mm. plasticky like i never really liked that version two steering wheel the, 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 the boss was kind of elevated in the middle of just uh, a lot of the the interior kind of plastics even the colors were a bit drab with the gray the head the headlights then were I suppose they were kind of modern they, they stuck with them for a long time but i think the i think the version two they're they're a smashing truck there's still a lot just yeah. still plenty in in um in active service and uh, that have racked up big miles mm-hmm. so uh actually had an idea for for an article after i know of uh two other x uk version twos which are working in ireland so that was an idea i had for a little article and um, just get the do a little feature on on maybe three x uk 
version two FH12s that are actually now working in Ireland. So I think that might be interesting. No, it sounds it sounds good by all means. The thing with the having the uh, yeah the thing with the mm. the version two and of course if it is that it looked so similar to the version three, which went right up to the 63 plate here like oh well some of them you get are rare ones on 2014 they hide their age quite a lot more than the version one which stands out yeah. with its square headlights on it but i've spoken to a couple of people hauliers recently and they've, they've got like a version two kind of sitting that's a bit tired and they're like oh i don't know really what to do with that and i'm like if you can afford to do it hold on to it, just sit it in the corner because yeah. its time will come before too long, mm. especially if it's an FH16, mm. whereby yeah. people will be, that will be a truck that will well, be very sought after yeah. on the classic uh, scene. I agree with you. Yeah, there'll, there'll be plenty of uh, 164s, there'll be any amount of 164s, but there'll be very, very few version 2 FH16s. And there was actually one has been has been restored here lately. I think it came from Denmark. So it's a version two uh, 660 tag axle. Mm. Uh, I just saw a picture of it lately. Quite a nice truck, but they're they're extremely rare. There was um, there's a a, f- a zero four five fifty four by two right and drive glow trotter up in County Donegal that still uh, still does the continent. But uh, apart from that, they actually had a very very nice interior. They had a kind of a in comparison to the the, the twelve liters, they had um like a burnt orange kind of a Sort of a red color, which was on the on the back wall, I think, in the sides and and the center floor mat, which distinguished them from the uh, from the smaller mm-hmm. engine ones. Yeah, well, to to round off um, on, to round off on, was, yeah. to round off on Volvos, I've got one I had a chance conversation with Bob Beach this week um, about manual gearboxes, which come up in conversation in my life quite regularly. Um, we were talking about version seems to be version four Volvo FH16s. Now you could get them with a manual gearbox, but you could only get them as the five hundred and fifty horsepower version. Five fifty. Yep. So obviously, Correct. it was never a truck which uh, was going to do anything in the UK. Maybe a few guys bought them abroad, I don't know, but apparently we know that there definitely is one manual FH16 version 4 in the UK. It's a 550 and it's owned by an owner-driver. Um, don't know how long he's going to keep it for or okay. anything, but I'd said, no, we need to... That needs to go into preservation because it's going to be the only one of its type and I wanted to find out more about it because I think, as far as I'm aware, it could be the only manual... Um, like Euro 6 FH16 in the country in existence. So as a curiosity, I really hope that that gets gets preserved. So in like 20, 30 years time at the Retro Truck Show, people can be looking at it and going, look at it, what the hell is that? You know, never knew they even built one. Uh, I don't know, do you want to talk about uh, tipping tipping trailers while we're on that? We certainly do. Well, the the next topic that we have because we've believe it or not before we started this podcast we actually took some notes and did a bit of discussion beforehand about what we're going to talk about and uh, the next thing that we wanted to talk about was tipping trailers because you've encountered an old and unusual one um, which is still at work today in fact you might even have been using it i was indeed and i just sent a photograph to a friend of mine and he said oh nice old neville charles trailer 
so I wouldn't really be uh, that familiar with tipping trailers but um, I had a look at the uh, badge on the on the chassis and it said uh, Neville Charles trailers I think it was a uh, Kirby Ashton Mansfield Nottingham or some yeah, somewhere around that I didn't take note but anyway is that am I right in saying that you are correct in saying that but I only know it because I googled it earlier on because I had to admit that I'd never heard of the name before until you um until you mentioned it earlier on but yep that's correct Mansfield over in Nottinghamshire yeah. Neville Charold and it's C-H-A-R-O-L-D yeah. not Charles uh, which I was googling and I couldn't Charles, have found yeah. anything so that was <laughs> <laughs> language barrier but uh, it was just the fact that it was such a nice combination between the old the 21 year old megaspace and then the neville charles bathtub style tipping trailer which came i think from about 1996 but uh, interestingly on the front there's a badge on the front of the body which says stc in it and i just had a quick google myself and it said that um neville charles that they sold up to SDC South Dairy Conversions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have seen it uh, later because SDC stopped making steel bodies. Hmm. So I'm just thinking okay, this so is go- this is going to be a brilliant team truck and driver update. All this weird and wonderful stuff. I was just having a look because if you type in Neville Charles trailer, the top hit that you get is a thread from Trucknet and there's some pictures on it of one of these trailers. Is the one that you've got, I think it's a triaxle on super singles. Yeah. Because the, the, yeah. the picture of one of them, it was one of these really, one of those weird trailers where the leading axle actually goes up in the air along with the body. It doesn't do it. doesn't do anything weird okay. like that, does it? No, no, no. Thankfully for me, anyway, it's uh, she's just a standard standard tipping trailer, and and the the grain flows out of it easily enough for me. That's um, tipping's not something that you've done a lot of, is it? You've done pretty much everything. No, pretty much no I didn't in, do you've huge. done pretty much everything, but tipping's yeah. not um, one of your um, more. Well, I did in, uh, No, I did it in Australia for about uh, two and a half months in two thousand and sixteen when the for the the harvest the harvest down there down it was just in the wheat belt outside perth that goes from depending on the weather i think it goes from somewhere like october and the, uh, late october and they're trying to be finished up for christmas time so that's that's the summertime down there so on that i drove a I drove a western star with um with, with two tipping trailers so when we were when you were tipping up um tipping the lead trailer you just tip the grain out it just went over the over the a-frame of the of the of the dolly, <laughs> and just down into a, down into un, just down into a you know a hopper un, underground, and an auger took it away. But uh, no, I quite I quite enjoyed it actually. You know, I was it was we were tipping on tipping at it on, on flat ground all the time, on a, on a sealed surface. But um, no, it was nice. But apart from that, I've never really done much uh, or done any any tipping work over here. But there is something nice about the, the look of an old an old style bathtub tipping trailer. I think. Ah, there is like, but we've got a feature in um, the next issue of Truck and Driver, which comes out on Friday, which has, um, in fact, it's pretty. I was going to call it Truck. I was going to call it Truck O Driver because we've got that much Paul O'Callaghan content in there. We've got your feature on Ward Groupages um, TGX six forty MAN, and we've got your feature on Grenin, the agricultural feed uh, company in County Offaly. And we've also got a feature on a little fleet of Iveco Stralises, which are pretty unusual in that 
um, they've gone and uh, taken the roof off an Iveco Stralis highway, the high roof, and got um, long-haul commercials to fit it with a flat roof. And that does, like, going back, there is something really nice about a tipper outfit that's got, like, the truck cabs level with the top of the tipper body, like that. So it, it just... It's got such a that's that Stralis setup. It looks it looks absolutely spot on. It's got kind of a cool factor that you don't normally associate yeah. with a Stralis yeah. in that setup. So I think that um, I just that came out that really when, well. When I, when I when I saw that truck, I saw that truck the first time. I was with uh, Keen Keneally, who drives the Gain Feeds Dungarvan Transport slash Gain Feeds Actros Tag Axle, which was in uh, a previous issue, and we were loading. Uh, we were load, loading down in Ring of Skiddy docks. He was backloading there, uh, something to bring back to the mill. And that Iveco came in with the flat roof and the tipping trailer and the alloys. And I just thought, you know what, it's a very unusual truck. And it really stood out for the fact that it looked well, it looked so good and the fact that it was rare. I said, I think I know someone who would be very, very interested in that truck. So that's probably the quickest turnaround in terms of one of between when I photographed the article, wrote it and sent it. Sent it to you, and now it's. I've got to. Printed, so um, I've got to admit that was partly due to a failure on my part for being able to interview some, interview um, the subject of a feature which was originally supposed to be in the magazine. But as people who are familiar with the podcast will know, I'm in the middle of nightmare summer with my short three week issues, so I was a bit pushed for time. Um, and as time got on, I was like, uh, "What else can I? What else have I got that I can replace that with?" And I was like. Aha, you've just literally just sent me that Iveco Stralis feature. So I was like, perfect, that'll go in there nicely. And it, well, it is a, it's a good, good interesting uh, feature help. on its own. Aye. No, thank, thank, uh, thank goodness for that, because um, it's been such a busy time and it continues to be over the next few weeks while we get these um, issues out out the door. I've got your 142 in the next issue, the, the cattle, the livestock truck. That's um, lined up for the September issue. Very good. And yep, I'm, I'm ex- I am now expecting. Working classic. Yep. Um, aside from aside from anything else, with uh, your Actros and your old trailer and the FH twelve five twenty, I'm expecting a bumper team truck and driver update. But it wouldn't be a proper update if you hadn't really been to the continent. So I'm assuming that you have been. Uh, across the water at least once as well you know yeah well very very scant on the overseas trips now at the moment which is uh, which is by choice happy enough sticking around close to home while the weather's fine and I but having said that I did one trip out to the it was just a quick trip to France Um, it was when I was out uh, I was on a different job at home and I pulled in just at a a service station and I was taking pictures of uh, an R580 rigid and drag cattle truck with Petzioli bodies because I'd, I'd known about the truck but it's a Tritum so it's uh, it's got like it's got a steer axle and then it's got your drive axle and it's got an axle then in front and behind the drive axle so it's four axle rigid pulling a pulling three axle trailer which mm. work with plenty of Volvo Tritums here um, in Ireland and, and even five axle Volvo construction construction rigid tippers but the Scania the Scania in the in the uh, rigid and drag cattle truck format with the four axes. There are, are a few around, but um, that was the first one I kind of seen up close. But anyway, I got I got chatting to the, the driver, the guy who owns it, 
and we swapped numbers and about and two days later or maybe the following day he asked me if I do a sheep out of France what a, sur- so, what a surprise yeah. you ended up doing a job for him I know I know I know I know so it was and it was a really it was I think it was a few it was a couple of weekends ago it was probably the best weekends weather we had all year so I was a bit reluctant to go well first of all there were it was supposed to be low to Belgium and I didn't really Fancy going up to Belgium, and uh, not really the biggest fan of Belgium as a country. So P- people in Belgium can't bloody and... drive, can they? The, the worst drivers, car dri- like Belgium. Oh, the roads are sh- yeah. the roads are shit, and the car drivers are horrendous. Mm. And I don't even have that much European truck driving experience by any means. But I always find that. I mean, am I right in that? Does anybody want to? Mm. Anybody listening want to stick it? Want know. to I... support that view that Belgian drivers are? T- I mean, I know that Italian drivers are terrible, but. They know they're terrible. They don't. They don't care. They'll just say, "Hey, I don't mind. No, I don't want no. to wait in this queue. I just drive direct right down the side of you and go through these no, lights." But I the like, Belgians are I like, like, I like the Belgians yeah. are just useless. I don't. I never really notice much of a difference in the standard of driving, but it's just, uh, it's just like a corridor for you know, trying to get parked there. You go into services, uh, and even if you want to just go in and, and use the toilet, seventy cents just to go in and use the toilet. You can't get parked, and there's, there's a whole immigrant problem. I just don't like it at all. Then you even just driving from from Belgium, like when you're in Holland, it's it's just a nice place to drive. Even the, the way they keep the roadside verges, the signs, and all that. And then you come back into Belgium, it's just kind of grey, drab roadside. I don't know, not a fan. But anyway, I ended up. It just turned out to be just a trip to France instead. So I said I'd go. So I was driving a 2015 Reg FH 500 Low Trotter XL six by two. Uh, midlift pulling. Uh, oh God, that's petty, that's just so nice pet, petioli trailer. That's just so incredibly mm. normal and common compared to everything else. Well, <laughs> interestingly, it's uh, apparently it's it's supposed to be an ex Ralph Davies truck. Presume that was when the yeah it would be yeah and and uh, it's definitely ex UK anyway and and I wouldn't doubt that it is an ex uh, Ralph Davies truck. It's got. Uh, for me, which what was kind of hard to get used to was that the speedometer was in miles per hour as oh, opposed to kilometers yeah, per hour, yeah. which is, m- most of the trucks have been driving. Yeah, um, but you know what was nice about it? it didn't have it didn't have all these silly lane departure and emergency braking buttons that you have to switch off every time you get into the truck. That's because it's slightly earlier. There were a lot of changes came in round about yeah. that time, and it's probably just just about. It's just that yeah. one's just missed all that stuff. Um, mm. Being yeah, at that sort yeah. that sort of age, I no, but not this. That's um, yeah. a really strong all rounder of a truck, a, a five hundred Globetrotter XL. But great truck. You got back from um, France, which was an easy enough trip. Did you manage to get out anywhere else? Yeah, um, we had paid a little trip out to uh, Tom Holdings, who is a classic truck dealer out in Boxtel, in Holland. Oh, I went down and got a good tour of uh, of Tom Holdings. So. Um, not everybody but familiar but I'm sure there'll be definitely some people who'll be familiar yeah, with, you, um, with Tom Holding so they have a they have a yeah yeah if you google it they've got company. a good website they do a lot of yeah and it's Tom T-O-M-H-O-L-D-I-N-G-B-V dot com have a look on there and you'll see a whole load of really interesting European classic retro trucks that um, you might be tempted to go and buy so you were out there and had a tour and a look round and things and um, aye, how was that? How was that? Round. Yeah, he's got a. Uh, it was fantastic. It was um, everything I, I hoped it would be and more. So he's basically there's there's two separate divisions. There's the transport company which he's in um, with his brother. 
that's well the transport and, and supplying the coal dust it's all it's all on their website there so they have tipping trailers bulk silo trailers and then they do big bags of this coal dust but then separate to that he has his own uh sideline which is dealing in in classic trucks but uh volvos seem to be seem to be the well they are by far the by far and away the the number one choice like so he's got a huge selection of parts for all the olf series like ca- full cabs doors engines axles and uh, they have an f10 uh flat roof f10 round headlight ha- round headlight shunter and then they also have i think it's about well it's an f12 i'm not sure it's a 400 or, or a 360 four by two which they've recently restored and put into service so the truck was Oof. just leaving the yard as I was there with a full load of whatever they are allowed. I presume it's whatever it's full weight, I don't know, 42 tons or something. And the driver uh, who is driving that truck got out of a version four. <laughs> and he loves the old, apparently he hates Digitacos, which, which was what the, the mechanic was telling me. But um, that, uh, they were showing me a picture. It was recently, it was spotted in, in, in France lately. It was on a Facebook page. So it's nice just to see that they're, um, that they have these old, that the, that old classic still, still working and then so he's kind of got two separate uh let's say sections of of the ones for sale he said they're they're the, the good ones which he has in a in a warehouse of their own and then there are the not so good ones then which would be going for exports to um a lot of them go to africa i think he said they go to the congo so i was looking at a he had a an f-16 bit of a kind of a ropey looking one and he's, I was looking at the condition and said, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's not great. And he says, well, after one week of, uh, when that truck goes to wherever it's going in Africa, he says, after one week, I presumed he was going to say that tr- the truck will be almost like new. He says, the truck will be 10 times worse mm. than what it is now. <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting. This just a life. Some of these, some of these trucks go on to lead. But he also had a beautiful F12 round headlight Globetrotter, which are very, very rare which had just been restored immaculate like new inside uh, so if you've got uh, about a spare eighty thousand euros lying around i think you might be in just about in the in the price ra- price bracket of that truck then there was um f- flat top f12s as well the original ones you know late 70s mm-hmm. early 80s ones another one of them they're probably about similar money yep. and he's got an f16 imperial which was the very very last of them which came on uh, full air that truck came out of Greece, 4x2 Imperial, 500 full air electronic fuel pump, which he said wasn't for sale. And then they've got, you know, a couple of their own um, F12s. He's got an awful lot of uh, version 1 FH12, sorry, excuse me, FH16 uh, 520s, which are, you know, which are kind of going to be a pretty sought after truck mm. on, the, on, the, on the classic scene. So there's a company from Portugal I had seen, um, it's a company called King Road. Some people might know about them from Portugal. They're uh, dark green, and they they always had version one F816 520 Globetrotters, and um, just side skirts, plain, really really nice trucks. And even in recent years, that I still saw them going up and down the road if you were going to Spain. So he bought uh, ten of their old version one 520s. They're all identical. I think he still had um, he still had eight or maybe I think he still had eight or nine of them mm-hmm. there for sale. Just plus various ones wow. that came from Greece. Um, but it was a, fa- a fantastic, uh, fantastic uh, to see it, and, and uh, he's really approachable guy as well to talk to. Give me, give me plenty of plenty of information and, and a good look around. Oh, good stuff. Uh, his, uh, his name did come up because um, we've got a feature in the September issue. We've got Justin Warrior's amazing Volvo F16 
coming up, which a, quite a few people might have seen now, the black J-Ridge model, which kind of broke cover at Brands Hatch, and it's amazing. Um, it looks as good as it did mm. when it came at the factory, and a few bits came from Tom Holding um, off the back of that, and that's going to be quite an interesting article, um, because Justin goes into some detail about... Um, the processes that you've got to go through to register a left-hand drive, well, basically a European truck in the UK, um, and he's set up a company now, well, a, ca- a club to enable you to do that, which is really good because it, it opens up, if you're willing to um, accept left-hand drive and look to the continent, then it opens up such a vast world of classic trucks compared to the rather shallow sort of pool that we have in the UK. So um, the more that we can um, bring in, yeah. the more that can come into the UK, the better. And left-hand drive is really yeah. nothing to worry about. It's um, it's a bit weird and a bit scary at first, but it just clicks um, after a little while. I, f- yeah. I found I found well, anyway. I, I've always I've always preferred um, left-hand drive over right-hand drive, and um, you know even when you th- think about changing gear, like when you're I'm right-handed, so I'm changing gear with my right hand, and you're kind of, you're working away from you're working away. So you start off at first, and then you know you're second and third. You're mm. kind of working away from yourself which, with the gears, which kind of feels more always felt more natural to me. And I've always been a big fan of left-hand drive. But um, just it's interesting to note as well that uh, you're correct in saying that there's a very very narrow pool of right-hand drive classic vehicles available, and of course with the climate in, in Ireland and England. A lot of them, oh, and especially bad bloody us, Scotland. Were, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Ireland's Ireland's not much better. Let me tell you. But if um, Tom Holding has some very good contacts in, in Greece, so obviously the climate down there. I know it's a pretty long country, but especially when you go down towards Peloponnese region, down in the south of Greece, and and into Crete, um, they've got a really really dry climate, which which helps preserve the trucks no end as well. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot to be said for. Left hand drive, yeah. Uh, well, that's good. You'll be finding you'll be finding out uh, more about that and how just Justin finally managed to get that truck registered. So um, there's nothing to fear um, if you're looking to import a truck from Europe anymore. Um, he's sussed it out and he can do it for you. So there's a there's a plug for there's a plug for Justin and his um, classic commercial vehicle club, which I was writing up just the other day. And I, yeah, of course, it's it's a I have to say it's 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 a cracking looking truck. Sorry, just cut across you. It's yes. a cracking looking truck. That F sixteen. I've seen plenty of pictures of it. Yeah, he's got the tuna verkin rims on the front of it. Um, oh, he's still because I I remember he because I, I know he he did a he he did an F twelve yep. uh, tag axle uh, highline in the past, which I'm sure he still has. And then he also did a version one FH sixteen five twenty right and drive midlift, which. That's. I'm not sure exactly. It's been through a what few. What story was that? Ended up in Ireland it for did, a while, and it's now back in the UK. Yeah. I think it's been through a couple of owners, and it's been repainted yeah. since then. But um, it's in it's in good okay. it's in good hands anyway. It's um, um as okay. you as you as you would expect it would yeah. be, you know. But I know that his latest mm-hmm. project was the F16, and it's quite uh, it's quite something else. I got to sit in at a brand's hatch, and I went, "That steering wheel's like it's brand new." And he says, "That's because it is a brand new steering wheel." And I was like, "Oof, well, okay. that's a, yeah. that's going to some extent. It's yeah. a it's a cracking truck, and I'm, I'm excited oh. to have it in the magazine." Yeah. It's a cracking looking truck, and I, I presume he does all he does all the work on it himself. From, from yeah, he's got he's got a really good admirable. He's got a really good set of mates um, between I think Matt and Ben and Paul 
maybe just going off the top of my head I've not missed anybody out oh, but he's yeah. got a really good squad of ah, friends right. that are all crazy into the old trucks and they all muck in together and uh, they're yeah. able to go and um, Perfect. do these things which is um, which so is what hopefully I'll be going out to uh, Gaiden which is about a month away maybe five weeks in Gaiden it is classic or the retro show God, whatever you not, call it yeah so I'll be, I'll be going around. out there hopefully get a look at it well I'm going to see you at Gaiden because no. yeah because everything is piling up fast now we're getting through summer um, I'm just checking the date on that now, the Retro Truck Show 2021, because I'll be going to, yeah. I don't know. 12th, 13th, am I correct? Retro Truck Show 2021, the 11th and 12th of September. I'm hope oh, I might take, we'll, might be able to take we'll, my we'll phone into there. that, yep. Also, uh, well, I've got Convoy in the park to deal with before that as well, but that's another story entirely. That's another story. But, yeah. um... What I've also had come up as well as the Tipex and Tankex event, which was talked about in the podcast before. We're having the Drivers' Day, and we're still looking for some tippers and tankers to bring along to that. If you can get your truck in on the Friday, um, you're welcome to come out with us for a few beers and some dinner. We've got that on, and it is the Drivers' Day display on the Saturday. And what's also happening is we've got some uh, live talks going on on one of the stages at the event and we'd come up with the idea of perhaps we could um well um maybe do a kind of semi-live podcast and q a and we were going to fly paul that being you over to harrogate to come to the tipex show and we were going to be on stage so we could do a q a to talk about um going and driving and working in australia and the adventures and, and things that you get up to going over there, and we could record um, a sort of semi-live podcast, because Chris Madison's going to be there as well. So um, that is something that could well be on the agenda now as well, providing we can get you over there, and if you're up for it. Okay, yeah, that sounds all right. I don't, it's not, a, not a, an offer that I, I get too often, so check the diary and get back to you, and that might, uh, might just be able to do it. And just for... Uh, well, personally, I, I'm not sure. Uh, you have to just give me the just a quick kind of a lowdown on what uh, Tipex is all about. I'm sure. Oh yeah, a lot of people listening might might know. I know, obviously, it's a tipper uh, kind well, of a convention. Tra- traditionally, it's been a kind of industry event where all the tipper and tanker manufacturers invite operators, kind of haulage bosses, to come and look at trucks. But in the last, this is the last time it's ever going to be at Harrogate. And on the Saturday, they're having mm. a driver's day. So trucking drivers having a special display of about sort of 10, 12 tippers and tanker trucks. And on the Friday, um, if you can get your truck there for our display on the Friday, if you book it in with us, we're all going out for dinner and we're going to have a few beers. Um, and on the Saturday, we want, we've got, there's some talks and things going on. Stuart Oliver's talking about race trucks and there's a couple of training things going on. But we thought that we would go out, we could get up on the stage as well and talk about uh, yeah, your career and going to Australia and things. So it's going to be a really good day out for drivers on the Saturday to go and see some show trucks, go and um, learn a bit about some of these tippers and tankers and also go and speak to us and have a bit of a crack, really. Um, especially if you're bringing your truck with you for the Friday night. Please get in touch as soon as you can because the spaces will fill up for it quickly. So aye, if you if you fancy it, please get in touch. Should be good. I'll definitely bear that in mind anyway, so we might take a little trip over the water for that one, Dougie. I will pay for the we will pay for the flights and shit, you know, you don't have to like, you know. 
pay for it yourself, you know. <laughs> but but all right, in that respect, that's, that's fair enough. We'll, put, you, get, get your, we'll yeah. get your hotel room in the majestic hotel, no less. There you go. That's you can't really turn it down. It's, 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 it's quite posh. Yeah, it's quite it's, cultural. It's quite yeah, it's quite a nice old kind of um. What is it? Would it be right in saying it's a quintessentially English? Oh, it's very posh English town? Yorkshire town. Yes, it's uh, it is, okay. it is absolutely beautiful, yeah. and it's the last year that this event's ever going to be run there because next year we're having a massive truck expo at Stoneley. So it's quite a bit special to kind of finish it off, right. and with coronavirus killing um, all the events and shows last year, uh, it's something to really mm. kind of look forward to. So yeah. Yep. That's it. So hopefully we'll see you at that. Right. Last yep. last thing to finish off, the thing that I've completely forgot to mention, I was on national radio last week on BBC Radio 4 talking about the driver shortage uh, on a programme called The Briefing Room with David Aranovich on national radio, oh, and I've forgotten to mention it on the bloody podcast until right until the end. But uh, if you go and look it up, if you type in The Briefing Room into Google, you'll find it. It's available as a podcast. And I managed to jam in as much as I possibly could about the ongoing driver shortage within the five minutes that I had. So please do give it a listen and hopefully the BBC might get me back on again to talk about it some more in the future. Good man. So you go and get a look at that. I'm going to get back to doing my 132 page bumper issue and the Convoy in the Park programme and be working until about 10 o'clock at night as usual as I am for the next two weeks. Uh, that'll keep me off the bottle anyway. That that'll keep me off the but that'll keep me on the bottle, Paul. <laughs> I said to I said to my boss, I said, at the end of this you will be booking me into the priory for a month of rehab and he laughed. And I was like, I'm really not joking and he's like, Yeah, he's like, Oh, you're so funny And I'm like, No, genuinely, I'm gonna be so knackered after this. But as it as it goes, we're hanging on in there. Um, we hope you guys out there are hanging on in there as well with the driver shortage and the hot weather and the RDCs being dicks towards you. Um, if anybody's got any good stories about any of that, please do get in touch. Anyone that's come up in the podcast, thank you for listening and supporting it. Thank you for coming on again, Paul, and telling us about all your adventures. I look forward to your epic team truck and driver update, and I shall catch up with you again soon. Pleasure, Dougie, as always. Talk to you soon. Cool. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.